Amen. Welcome to everybody that's here visiting. Thank you for coming, and let's pray. Lord, Lord God, we thank you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come together here, to hear your word, to, <clears throat> Lord, that your heart would be spoken here, that you would speak to each of our lives, to everyone that's here, that you would work in us, that you would use us for your kingdom, that you would build your church. Lord, that you would receive glory from our lives. We pray for your presence this day. We pray that you uh, bless the words that are spoken here. We pray for all those <clears throat> who are here and that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what you would have us here in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, uh, my message in a sense is along the same lines. Um, and I'm going to call it the Christian's battle. The Christian's battle. <clears throat> I often ponder in, in our Christian life um, the idea that, um, that it should simply, simply flow out of our hearts, that, that true life Christianity should flow out of us. And that it is a continuous battle. On one sense, it should be free-flowing. It should be automatic. It should be something that, that flows out of our hearts. And, and on the other hand, it's quite regularly in Scripture addressed as a battle. Um, it's addressed as a, as a kingdom. A kingdom that fights, where there's, where there's a kingdom that's engaged, where there's a battle, where there's wars. And there's a lot going on. And if we look at a war, if you look at the preparation it takes for war, if you took it, look at the energy and the input and the cost of that, um, it's amazing. Um, the amount of money that today's armies war that goes into the, today's world, uh, wars is uh, it's incredible. You can't wrap your head around the numbers. <clears throat> But, so in Christianity, where, how is it a war? How is, it, how, are we, how is our life, how are we engaged in a battle? Um, so I want to touch on a few points today, hopefully. Um, see, and on the other hand, it's all the work of Christ. It's all the work of God in our lives. You know, if, if truly the King of Kings... And the Lord of all creation has forgiven, he's cleansed us, and put his life inside us, given us his spirit. And, and we stop and we think for a minute what that means, what that means in each of our lives. Um, how will that affect your life if the Lord of all creation is, is living in you? Um, what kind of immediate and, and permanent impact will that have on your life? It should be quite substantial, right? That's a pretty big impact. And it's hard to fathom. It's hard to sometimes when you stop and, and, and you think of that. For me, it's, it's almost hard to believe that we believe that. If you, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> if that's truly what's, what we claim, 
What else matters in our life? What else matters? And, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to ponder. But then we, we leave, um, we go home, and, and there's, there's daily life. There's a struggle. You know, there's always a struggle. There's a continuous battle in real life. There's a daily, there's an hour, even an hourly struggle. Um, and, and so what's the deal with the struggle? <clears throat> what's going on with Christians all over the place? Um, there's a, there's an, sometimes there's an emptiness, there's a lack of enthusiasm. Um, there's even feelings of failure. There's friction between believers. Um, ineffectiveness, sometimes there's fear. Um, so <clears throat> there's, there's two sides here. There's, there's what, what we claim to believe. And then there's, there's the battle, there's the struggle. And then there's the, the life that, that God gives us. And I, I believe most of us here, a lot of us here has, have felt that life and know what it means to have that life, to, to experience a conversion. But then there's, we're called into battle. We're called to follow Christ through our lives and in our lives. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so more specifically, um, and I think many of you, those who know me here, um, is how much, how much of our Christian walk of our life is a pressing in, is, a, is, is just seeking God and pressing into His presence and seeking Him more, and how much of it should be freely flowing out of our lives. And, so, so, and where's, where is that? And if we look at it in Scripture, <clears throat> you know, both... Both these positions have biblical grounds. In, uh, in John 7, 38, he says, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful promise for those who believe on him, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. So there's a life, you see that picture of a life where Jesus is in control, Christ is in control, and there's life flowing out of that, of, that, of that life. And then in Philippians 2, verse 12, there's another verse. He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. <clears throat> so here he, he, he's writing and he exhorts the church to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Like this is something that you need to be working carefully at. This is something that will take a tremendous effort. Fear and trembling. And it's, um, there's, there's a... There's an exhortation in, in the letters, in the epistles, where he says that. It, it, it comes out constantly. Be engaged in the battle. And yet he closes the statement saying, For it is 
<clears throat> for it is God who works in you both in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. He even works in us the will, the desire that we have to do his work, his kingdom, to see his kingdom <clears throat> built is for him. So God gives us first the will and he gives us the desire. He gives us the unction. We receive from him. Everything, even the strength, the, the, the desire to serve him, it comes from him. So <clears throat> the point I want to get to today, I want to talk about today is what does real day-to-day -day flourishing and thriving Christianity look like? So if, the, as I pondered these two seeming, seemingly... Uh, conflicting ideas I realize I, I believe both of them are equally true that it is it is fully and completely his working inside us and yet for us such such a working such something of that magnitude that happened in our life it almost demands a response. <clears throat> so it's both of those things. <clears throat> you know, in one sense, um, we all feel like we are uh, we're inadequate, you know, and that there's obvious needs that we need to be aware of in our lives. Um, So we come to the question, where, where's the balance between Jesus paying it all and Jesus doing it all and us fighting and being engaged in the battle and us working in that vineyard and us bringing forth fruit? <clears throat> How can we even contribute when, when it's all been done and paid for? And yet on the other hand, how can God work in a person's life God doesn't work in a person's life. He can only do as much as we allow him. God can only work in a person's life as much as that person yields to him. So there, there's, a, there's a yielding, there's a surrendering to his will, and then there's a seeking to his will, and then there's his working inside us that truly does, that truly does bring forth the fruit, that truly does grow us into vessels for his kingdom. <clears throat> so in the end, I believe both positions are equally right. We have to recognize that it's his working in us. But we also have to recognize that we are engaged in a real battle. That it's a real battle. That there's a real enemy <clears throat> out there against us. In true Christianity, uh, both those principles are completely true. He paid the penalty in our place. He took our place. There's no way we could ever, um, we could ever have paid for the debt we owe. That one song we sang, it called us uh, to bring these to bring us rebels back to God. 
And a lot of times we have a hard time seeing ourselves as that. That, that we were actually rebels. That we are opposed to God. And the, the point that, that Josh stressed in, uh, stressed in his opening, that um, there's a rotten core inside all humans, inside all humanity. And there truly is. And, and we don't, I don't think, I don't think we recognize that, that that's the position we start at. That outside of God's working, God's working in a person's life, there's nothing to work with. Outside of God beginning, God setting that, so that seed coming in and starting to grow and sprout in our lives. <clears throat> Everything that is good in our lives comes from Him and through Him. Through Him we're forgiven. Through his, through his life on earth, his suffering and death. We are made partakers of his life, his mercy, his gifts, and all his promises. We're made partakers of that. In him, and in him alone, we receive his life and his spirit starts to work in us through grace and obedience. And, and that work, that beginning, that shining in our light, that work in our lives becomes a shining and a burning light in this world. But then there's the danger of that light. That light, it can either burn brightly, it can grow, or it may actually go out. There's always that danger. There's that danger of even the work, when God starts such a beautiful work, He makes a change, a, a, a person change. He makes him a new create creature. There's always that danger in this world of that light getting extinguished. <clears throat> it's the work of the God of all the earth, the God of all creation. And yet... It's, yet it's fragile. And Jesus described it like a small seed that was planted. And I, wanna, I want to go to Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Starting at verse 4. And go through a parable of the sower. And I feel like someone covered it a while back. So I don't want to do a detailed study. There's just a few aspects out of it. I want to go through to give us a picture of the battle that we are in, of the battle that's raging. <clears throat> so the seed, that fragile seed, it, it can get choked, it can get carried away, it can get, um, it can get crushed. So Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Um, and when much people were gathered together, and were come to him out of every city. He spoke, spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell up <clears throat> upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell upon good ground, fell on good ground, sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. 
And later in verse 11, Jesus explains this parable. He said, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. <clears throat> and they on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root, which for a while believe in time of temptation, fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and pleasures of this life. And bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And one of the big take-homes, if you don't take anything else home today, is we underestimate our enemy. I believe in, as Christians, we underestimate our enemy. It's a critical battle failure for a general or for an army in battle to underestimate your enemy. You're bound to have major casualties or be defeated. <clears throat> and enemies, enemies will always try to deceive their, their, their opponents into, um, into believing that they are smaller than they are. So an enemy, an oncoming army, if, if you can keep your enemy into, if you, can, if you can trick them into thinking that you're a much smaller force, that you'll be easy to handle, or that they'll be able to, to handle you fairly well, uh, you have a major battle advantage. Because they won't distribute their forces. They won't apply the forces they, they would if you were, uh, if they felt this, would, this is a, going to be a huge battle. <clears throat> um, you can most likely create surprise, a surprise attack and secure a victory because you're stronger than you actually appear, than they believe you to be. You can break through the lines. So, and armies will often split their forces, split their, their forces into parts. They'll even hide part of their army when they're coming into battle, just to, to confuse and to make sure to try and appear smaller than they are. And Satan, our enemy, he's no different. And he's, he's an old seasoned battle hardened general. And he will use any trick or deception he can to defeat, to defeat us. And he doesn't play fair. You know, if you've ever played a game with someone and uh, the person you're playing with has no experience in the game and they're new and, and they've never played it before. And most people will kind of, you know back off, you know, and do some easy shots. It'll just not try as hard. Sometimes you meet someone who just keeps playing. You, you see someone who just keeps playing 100% hardcore. And the, the poor, poor little beginner just gets, you know, 
one point to 21 and and the winner and everybody's okay yay <clears throat> and uh, in, in the same way so in, in, i think in in most of us in almost all of us there's that there's that compassion of okay this person is is at a disadvantage you know we give him a break we're, we're nice you know and make it a little fun at least a little fun for everyone um, but Satan's not that way. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, he doesn't back down. He doesn't slow. He doesn't give, give anyone a break. The only reason we get a break, the only reason... He doesn't destroy us completely. It's because of the hand of God. Because of God's grace. God's hand in our life that gives us, and that's God's grace, that keeps us from being destroyed. Because He's much stronger than we are in our own strength. We don't really stand a chance. And He, he is a true predator. He's a true predator. That means he's actually looking for weakness. He's looking for someone who's struggling. He's looking for those who are, who are falling behind. Like a true predator. If you look at... Uh, if, you, if you look at like a, a nature video... and If you watch a predator hunt... I mean, the first thing, you know, David Attenborough would say, you know... He's, they're picking out the weak, any of the old, the sick, the lame, if, they, if they're injured, they fall behind. Those are the first ones a true predator will go for. They're not up for a challenge. They're, they don't go for someone that's, that's matched fairly with them. A predator goes for the weak. He goes for whatever they can get, an opportunist. And it's so... There's a real, it's a real enemy out there. And the opposing force that's out against us, that's working against us, he's, he's real, he's powerful, and he's not, he doesn't really care about our feelings. He's out for destruction. And it brings us, and, and hopefully it brings us to a place where we realize this is, this is war. This is a battle. And it takes engaging. It calls for all, for all our efforts. It calls for all that we can give. And also, more importantly, it shouldn't bring us to a place of fear, but it should bring us, hopefully it brings us to a place where we, we can recognize, we can see that we need to trust in God. We need to seek, seek Christ. We need the power of His Holy Spirit. We need His strength working in us and helping us in, through this life. Because it is a battle. And it is about life and death. So if we look at the parable that we just read, I, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to do an in-depth study. Just look at the different ways that the seed sown, it gets destroyed and made useless. 
Okay, so the first seed, it says, Those by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And it's interesting because before even the seed ever takes root, when the seed comes out, the devil is immediately there. And it says he, he takes those seeds, he, he, he picks them up and carries them away. Before a person, before a lot of people even have an opportunity, it has an opportunity to grow. And the, the ground is hard, the seed has a hard time penetrating, God's word has a hard time reaching into a person's heart. But then there's also the devil who's there immediately, carrying away and, and, and stifling, stifling everything and killing everything before before there's even a start, a beginning of growth. <clears throat> and then he says, Those seeds which fell on a rock, or on the rocky ground, like some of those, some of the other Gospels put it, those seeds actually receive the word and it starts to grow. So here's another set of seeds that get thrown, thrown on the rocks. And he says, uh, Jesus, Jesus said, They on the rock are they which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have but, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in a time of temptation fall away. So there's seed that goes on the rock. And it's just, there's a little soil there. It starts to grow. It starts to sprout out. <clears throat> and, uh, but it's hard, rocky ground. And so here, the enemy, where's the enemy? And we can see the work of the enemy here is producing these rocks and this hard ground in a person's life. And that's, he, he's there, he's there, he's working. That's, that's what he does. He's out for destruction. He's out to subvert and to destroy what God is trying to build, what God is trying to do with us. <clears throat> and uh, you know that like the seed goes out and, and Satan is there ahead of the game. He has the rocky, the ground rocky and he's been stomping. Maybe the... I picture him stomp, someone stomping the ground and making it hard and bringing in rocks. And making the ground hard and bitter. We underestimate the enemy. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's, and here Paul said, he calls them the wiles of the devil. That means there's trickery, there's, uh, there's deception. There's places that he's working secretly. <clears throat> Verse 14, And that which fell among thorns are they which they, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. So here he says, and these, I look at these as all different, different facets of the enemy. And, and again, I don't, want, I don't want us to focus on the enemy. But I want us to recognize that there is an enemy. That there is an enemy. There is a real force that's working, 
against us. We have a greater force behind us. If we have our trust and our faith in Him, we have nothing to fear. If we have Him on our side, who can stand against us? But here is another facet, which sometimes I think we forget, that, it's, that it can be the enemy. That these can be tools that the enemy uses, and that the enemy uses regularly. <clears throat> this same parable appears in, in three, three of the Gospels. And I take that as an, as an emphasis. That this is, this is important. It's important for us to know this. <clears throat> so those which fell among thorns. So these are those who get swallowed up with the cares of this world. The, seeds fall, the seed falls on the ground and, and it actually sprouts. And it, it roots and it starts to grow. And everything's looking good. And it's like this plant will bear fruit. It's, this is nice. But then the cares of this world, and listen to this, the cares of this world, riches, and the pleasures of this life choke it. And he describes these things as thorn, thorns and weeds. Thorns and weeds. And <clears throat> so my dad runs the garden, and he, he works in the garden. And... Uh, if we ask him how it works if we stop hoeing and weeding, what happens? The plants and the vegetables, they start growing and suddenly, um, suddenly come the weeds. And now usually, usually our ladies, our, our boys, or our boys go hoeing and weeding and get all the weeds out. But what if they didn't? What if they didn't? Some years... Um, We've seen some vegetables completely covered in weeds. You come to a time when it's too rainy or too muddy to go in and, and hoe, and you see that there's a path, and it's all covered in weeds. And you can't, you can't see the plant until you get up close, until you look really close, and you know what you're looking for. And if you leave it that way, You'll hardly get any fruit. You'll get you'll get pretty much you'll get nothing. Maybe you'll find the odd thin carrot that you can pull out. But as far as something that'll actually keep you through the winter, if you don't go weeding, if you don't take care of it, these plants, these weeds grow up, and pretty soon weeds usually grow taller than the plants that you're after. They take all the sunlight, they take all the nutrients, they take all the water. And your plant dies. It says the riches and the pleasures of this world choke the seed. And we, we look at these examples and it's like this seed really has a hard time. There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. <clears throat> and, and again, like these... These things, uh, the riches and pleasures of this life, it's things you can't a lot of times exactly put your finger on. 
But we have to remember, we have to be aware that the enemy will use everything they can. He'll try to choke out that life. He'll try to keep us from becoming what we ought to become, from being what God would have us be. <clears throat> and, and again, the point I want to take out, out of this is, is what we're up against. I think we generally underestimate our enemy. Um, and, and this is just another angle that the devil comes and it takes and it takes advantage and he uses all the leverage he can get against the believers and the saints of God. He'll use all the leverage he can get. So verse 15, But that on good ground are they which with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. And then you have those on good ground, those with an honest and good heart that hear the word and keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So you have these people, these plants, this seed that is flourishing on this good ground and it brings forth fruit. <clears throat> There's an active enemy lurking around. He's a real predator. His purpose is to kill and to destroy. God's heart is to give us life, to bring us into his presence, to nurture us, to build us, to make us into his likeness. And I believe some of our biggest struggles, like I said, come from not realizing who, who our enemy is, how aggressive and evil he actually is, and that we don't stand a chance without the hand of God in our lives. <clears throat> so Ephesians 6, I want to cover this passage yet. Um, Ephesians 6, verse 10, if you want to turn there. <clears throat> Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And remember the wiles of the devil. So on the other hand, there's a big evil devil out there who's working to destroy. He's working to destroy us, everyone on an individual basis. He's working to destroy the work of God, the churches, God's plan on the world scale. He's working against all of this. <clears throat> but on the other hand, we have our God. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye are be able to quench the, all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So here on our side, 
if we're engaged in this kingdom, if we recognize the battle, if we're a part of God's kingdom and, and that battle, we engage in that battle, he gives us this armor. He gives us these weapons. He gives us these tools. And he has a whole list of armor. Your loins girt about, girt about with truth, walking in truth, the center of our life has to be grounded in truth. <clears throat> the breastplate of righteousness. Having the breastplate of righteousness. Walking in righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith she shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked and the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we have these these weapons, we have these tools, we have this protection. And truly, if we trust in Him, if we walk in Him in faithfulness, if we cry out to Him, we have nothing to fear. But if, if we are just floating along casually, and uh, there's no issue, everything's hunky-dory, and there's no battle. We miss something. Because if we truly are engaged, if we're seeking God's will for our life, the devil will oppose that. There is a battle. There will be a battle. There is a struggle. And there's a lot that can come again that's, that's working against us. <clears throat> there's an enemy you know, there's enemies work all around working against us. And we need to realize there's a battle going on for our souls and the souls of every person we meet. But on the other hand, there's also our God. And He's prepared a way. He's promised a way of escape from every temptation. He promised to be with us in every temptation. To walk with us through every trial. What do we have to fear? You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? Truly, the enemy is powerful. The enemy is real. But our God is more powerful. <clears throat> he has conquered the enemy. And, you know, in our own strength, in the question I started with, how much is our own strength? How much is his? In the end, it's, it's almost his strength. But there's a yielding to him, and there's a seeking of his, of, of, and, and, and how do you say, tapping into his strength. Having his power and his strength working in us. It, takes, it should take all our effort. On our own strength, we can never overcome. But with him, holding his hand, we have nothing to fear. He gave us the tools. He told us to pray. Pray. Pray means simply to ask. If you pray, God will give us revelation. He will answer. He draws us to himself. <clears throat> 
Ask for help, ask for his grace, ask for his revelation. I know in, in my life lately, it's been, that's been one of the things I feel God has shown me, that to pray, to actually ask for God's, for God to show me where I lack, to show me where, where the, what's wrong with, our, with my life. And if we honestly come to God and ask, Lord, what's, what's wrong? Why? Sometimes there's a, sometimes there's a, a blockage that we can't understand. We can't quite conquer. We can't quite figure out what's wrong. And I believe if we pray, if we're honest and we're open, God answers that. <clears throat> sometimes we don't realize what's hindering us. We don't know what is choking and stifling the seed that should be growing. And the fruit that should be coming out of our lives. So in this battle, we should be ready to engage all the tools God has given us. Prayer, studying His Word, fellowship, the brotherhood. Seeking His, hand, his will, his, his Spirit, His guiding hand, His presence with us throughout every day. Our enemy is continually working against us. We need to realize that. We need to seek the shepherd's protection. We need the spirit to guide and to strengthen us. We need his spirit, his presence, his guiding hand. We need God's flowing, God's power flowing through us and working in us. We need to seek him, seek his presence. His anointing and His grace to be with us every day in every situation. To do battle, to work against the flesh, against the things of this world. To do battle against our flesh, the world, and the devil. So I want to close with that and, and I pray that, Lord, give us the grace to be the light of the world to be your people and to build your kingdom. To be a people who recognize the enemy and a people who bring forth fruit.